So welcome to the Perfectly Imperfect Duo podcast with myself and Lily. Now you will see if you're watching this on YouTube that it's just me today. Um, I wanted to share some insights with you guys around, well, that I had just prior to going into labour and then during labour, if you like. Now, this is relevant if you also haven't had a baby or are planning on having a baby because it really does link also into to sort of general life stuff, also like illness and things like that. So you might find it useful. Also, I'd just like to have a little disclaimer to say that if you are pregnant and you are going to go into labour and you don't want to think about it and you don't want anyone to hear anyone talking about it, I'm not here to frighten you. That is definitely not it. But I will be talking about some of it. And therefore, if you think, actually, maybe I just don't want to hear that right now, now is the time for you to switch off and go on to another episode. We have loads of great episodes. So... I really wanted to share some of this because it amazed me at how many insights and things that I saw just in the short space of a few days of when I was going into hospital. So I was sent into hospital in order to be induced, uh, mainly not because of any health risks or issues. Uh, it was really because I was old. I'm old. I'm 44 this year. And therefore, they didn't want to let me go to full term, which is a bit controversial and different midwives have different opinions. Anyway, I was taken in to be induced. Now, for me, a lot of people had said about, oh, you know, and this is, this is again true of life, said, oh, it's terrible being induced, it's awful, this, that and the other. Now, I can always re also remember going for an MRI scan years ago and so many people telling me how horrendous it was going to be and I really then ended up building up a high level of anxiety about even going and having it to the point where I did actually cancel it once uh, maybe even twice so that's the first lesson in all of this is that people can tell us how it's going to be for us people can say to us that it's awful and it's terrible but it's what we choose to do with that and one thing I definitely learned which again is like any illness any going into any hospital situation, going into any situation that we're maybe slightly apprehensive about is that for me, I can honestly say, and I'll talk about this more in a minute, that the two days that I was in hospital on the run-up to having my waters broken were by far worse for me than the labour itself. And nothing was happening in that induction I was just in hospital but it was the, the the suffering I created in my mind and the worry and the apprehension that made me feel absolutely terrible so I'm going to talk more about that in a moment and the irony was that when I actually then went into labor I was really quite present because I was just focused on doing what I needed to do in that moment so it's interesting that actually even something that would be perceived as really painful really stressful and yes it was to a degree but it was nowhere near as uncomfortable an experience for me as the two days prior, just literally sat in the room waiting. Okay, so first of all, some of you, if you've read my book, you will know that I have a 15 year old now. And so there has been a 15 year gap. Now, some of that is just that the time went really quickly and I don't know where it went. Life is short, as they say. And also the other part of it was that I had suffered so severely with anxiety and also postnatally with um, my daughter, because it was, again, a whole other story, but there was lots going on. My dad was dying. My sister was really poorly. And so I struggled, understandably. And that put me off. It put me off because I was scared, if you like, of going back to that place. And I think 
Had I not been in the conversation of the three principles, which if you follow or listen to Lily and I's podcast or you are in my membership or anything, you will know that that is what I now coach. And it was being in that conversation that meant that I was no longer fearful of that. And therefore, it became an option that I could be a mum again, because actually, even if I did feel anxious or postnatal, it's like I wouldn't beat myself up for it in the same way anymore. And it would be a very different experience, which touch wood so far it actually is. And if that changes, you know, so be it, I'll deal with it because I'm a lot more resilient than I give myself credit for. And that's the same again with a lot of us. We we think the worst of ourselves. We get fearful that we aren't going to cope or we aren't going to manage. And actually, we can and we do. And even when I was really postnatal and had all of that awful stuff going on 15 years ago, I still managed, I still coped. And it was just that my version of what coping was, was a little bit skewed. And so the fact that I felt anxious and I was crying a lot and I needed support to get my mum to support quite a lot. Like at the time that was me perceiving myself as failing. And now I see it wasn't, it was me just coping and managing in the best way that I knew how. So first of all, there's that. So if you're listening to this and you're stopping yourself from doing something, you know, if anything now, one of my, I don't particularly have regrets, but if I was to say one of my regrets, I wish I'd done this a lot earlier because my experience of it now with a much quieter mind is that actually I definitely would do it again. Definitely would do it again. But actually nature is against me now and I am a bit too old for that. However, uh, you know, if I could turn back time, I wouldn't have left it so long. So, so when I was waiting to when I went into being induced I was put into a bed and then checked and when they checked me I was actually already in labor which I had a feeling it was because I'd had pains actually for a couple of weeks on and off and I you know I, I just knew I was in slow labor so they said that they wouldn't then induce me we don't need to go into the technical terms but any ladies out there that have been pregnant will probably know know what I'm talking about but anyway that's relevant so I so what what it meant was they can no longer induce me they could no longer give me the medication or the hormone that would then speed up and get me to start labor because I'd already started so what the plan was then is that they said okay what we need to do now is just go and break your waters and that should get you started and you're at the stage where we can break your waters but you now need to go on a list and the list fair enough is a list that, you know, people in order of when they've gone in, but also it has to account for emergencies. And this is again, like true of life. It's like, we we think we're in control. So I went in there thinking, okay, it might be like 24 hours, two out, two days, and then I'll, this will happen and that will happen. And then suddenly it's like, oh, there's a list. And I hadn't considered that, of course, there's going to be lots of women coming in off the street who are actually in labor in that moment and, and can't wait. So we have to, we have to allow for things outside of our control to just happen. And that was, was then the realization is, okay, I'm not in control of when this is going to happen and I just need to accept that it's going to happen when it's going to happen. So I was on this list and I had to stay in whilst waiting on said list. It was funny actually because my daughter, we ended up joking about it a lot. She's like, mom, does this list even exist? Like, where are you now on this list? Because they kept telling me I was at the top of the list, but then they seemed to go on a really long time. Anyway, so I stayed in hospital and I wasn't in pain I was a little bit uncomfortable but I wasn't it wasn't distressing it wasn't bad it was I was effectively just in in a hospital feeling okay and anyone that stayed in hospital overnight will probably know that it's almost impossible to sleep so much going on they were checking all of the different ladies in there 
which needs to happen, then checking me. So there was probably not more than about a 20 minute period where something wasn't happening or some sort of activity was happening in, in the, I was in a shared room, uh, award with three other ladies. So there was that. And then um, as it got sort of later in the night, what happens is when we're tired from sleep, from lack of sleep and we can't sleep and our body needs to sleep, what our body then also does says, okay, so we're not getting the sleep that we need. So what are we going to do about that? And then it's going to produce adrenaline in the system. So then I found myself becoming pretty kind of what I can describe as wired. And then I would have struggled to fall asleep anyway, because I was almost overstimulated having gone past it. And our levels of consciousness and awareness dip when we're tired and also when things are settled and quiet and nature's way of just the middle of the night, it feels different, doesn't it? Like when we're awake in the middle of the night, it feels different to when we're awake in the middle of the day. And that's to do with our level of consciousness. Now, the other thing is when our level of consciousness is lower, we is quite likely for our thinking to become more contaminated. So this is where my anxious thinking started to kick up a little bit. And I'm, I'm questioning, I wonder how long it will really be. What happens if I do another night here and I still don't sleep? How am I then going to go into labor and give birth being already completely sleep deprived, et cetera, et cetera. So I started to worry. Then there was a lady who went into labor and was waiting for a bed downstairs in the, um, in the labor ward, rather than just where we were all sort of being held, if you like, sound like prisoners. And she was quite far gone in labor and she was quite vocal. So she was screaming pretty much howling um, for about three hours. Now, that wasn't nice. I was lay there listening to her. It was quite scary. It then made me question, actually, is, is it worse than I remember it being 15 years ago? And is that going to be me screaming out in pain? And then I'm questioning, why haven't they took her downstairs yet? She won't have painkiller if she wants it. And I started to overthink that. Again, massively overthinking because I heard women in labor in the daytime as well and I didn't respond in the same way. So on levels of consciousness, when they are lower, it's much more likely and easy for us to latch on to the thoughts. So that was then another added thing. And so I'd started to become really hypervigilant. So I've got all of this stuff going through my mind of what might happen, what might not happen. Everything was just started to become all consuming. So then my sickness started to feel worse because again, like physical symptoms when we're tired and when we're overstimulated and hypervigilant, we then have physical symptoms attached to that. Thankfully, the one of the midwives came past me when I was being sick and she said, look, let me go and put you in a private room. So I went into a private room for my second night. So I did, I was able to get little moments of sleep. But because I'd already massively gone into overthinking mode, we can't just flick a switch and turn that off. So although I was able to then settle a little bit more, I couldn't just suddenly stop my body producing adrenaline at a rate that it was doing because I was massively overtired and I was anticipating and worrying about the next step. And so even though I did get bits of sleep, what was happening is when I was waking, my heart was pounding, it was bracing, I was dripping in sweat, I had all the physical symptoms attached to panic and overwhelm. Now, it wasn't very nice. And there were moments in that where I was thinking, I can't possibly, if they come for me now and take me down, how can I even possibly give birth? How is it even possible that I can go and give birth the way I am right now, because I'm anxious, I'm tired, I'm dripping in sweat, my heart's pounding, like I'm going to, I'm going to combust or explode if this gets any worse. And so I was really worried. And this was the vicious cycle. 
So then the next day, or in the middle, like 5, 5 a.m., they came. And again, I was then startled because they came in and said, right, you're going down, you're next, but we need to be quick because if you miss your slot and somebody else comes in, you'll be coming back up. So they were like, come on, quick, get dressed. That then got me an adrenaline going like, shit, quick. And then I had to ring my husband and say, you need to come, they're taking me down. Anyway, so then I was overstimulated again. Went down and was feeling really anxious and again, really awful. So I just had a very quick shower and then got in the bed and then they were about to break my waters. Now, there's a couple of other insights I had here, which I'm just going to share with you. But first of all, the main one was, no matter how tired, no matter how many physical symptoms I had, as soon as I was present in that moment, which was, all you've got to do right now is breathe through this, breathe through this pain, focus on what you're doing, taking the gas in there, just focusing on that, focusing on where I could feel things. That made me present. And it was like in that instant, all of the physical symptoms attached to anxiety, all of the worries of what ifs and the concerns fell away completely. And yet I think we tell ourselves that when we're not capable because we're overwhelmed or we're anxious or we've got these physical symptoms, we start to distrust our bodies that we're not going to manage. That was just such a wonderful example and a reminder for me that wisdom, my innate well-being, my, my resilience that's always within me, no matter what, shows up. It's there. And as soon as I was just focused and present, it was like a big shining light. Like literally, I felt okay. Yes, I had physical symptoms and pain and there was some worry. Of course there is, it's normal. But it was like, there was a calm over me. I just knew, I was just like one step at a time, I'm gonna do this. And that's what we've all got access to, not just in that, but in any moment that we're present. At any time when we allow ourselves to be in that moment and just stay in that moment rather than jumping too far ahead, we can access that feeling and that peace of mind. And it really was really strong for me in that moment. Something else that was interesting is when I went down, the, the midwives were amazing. They were absolutely lovely, all of them. I never came across one member of staff that didn't make me feel at ease and comfortable and couldn't do enough for me. So that's one thing. When I went down in the morning, I was feeling really anxious. It's almost like when we're anxious and hypervigilance, like we can't help but tell people that we're anxious. So she asked me how I was, and I was like, I actually feel quite anxious, I'm going to be honest. And what was interesting is that they then, that stuck in their head. Also, on my medical records, it shows that I did suffer with anxiety. And even though that was many, many years ago, like 15 years ago, for example, or well over 10 years ago, it, it stays with you. Because we become so fixated on this idea that someone has a diagnosis and then that's them, that it's quite hard when you're not suffering with that to almost convince people that you, you are okay. And so there was that history. And then me saying that morning that I was anxious, in their mind, it's like, okay, she's an anxious one. We need, we need to watch her or settle it. So... As I say, as soon as I became present, that fell away. So I was no longer anxious. However, the label, the definition sticks with everybody else. And it's okay. I don't mind that. But it's interesting because actually if this was years ago and I was still really anxious, then feeding that might then create this cycle where I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I am anxious. And, you know, and, and actually, so I was able to go, well, no, I'm not. I was experiencing anxiety this morning, very understandably. And now I'm not. So, you know, 
And what was happening was when, um, when you're being monitored and you have blood pressure monitor on your arm. Um, so that was just constantly going off every few minutes. And so when I was in the middle of having a contraction, when you're in pain and your whole body tenses up, my blood pressure would be high if it was just happened to be being monitored at the same time. Of course it would, anybody's would, when you're in the throes of that moment of pain. And, and the midwife said, oh, your blood pressure's high, let me check it again. And I couldn't even speak to tell her because I was just focusing on, on the contraction to say, oh, I'm having a contraction. They just put it down to, because they were blinkered then that I was anxious and we need to monitor it. But then when they did it again, she said, oh, your uh, blood pressure has drop back down again I'm like yes because I'm no longer having a contraction it's not that I'm an anxious person and I'm going to consistently be anxious my body is tensing I'm probably breathing faster and all of that and and, and so it would make sense that that's what our body does in those moments but it's very easy when we have a label and I still have the label years later people still latch on to that label if people consider that I was anxious, I was hospitalized, they still see that that would be a huge part of who I am and it couldn't be any further from the truth anymore. And I suppose the reason I'm sharing this now is to say you don't need to buy into that, even if everyone around you still gives you that, still sees you as that person, you don't have to be convinced by that, you don't have to label yourself in that way and it's really important that you see that and I love that my, one of my favorite mentors, Bill Pettit, who says that a diagnosis is not who you are, it's just where you are in that moment. So on that morning of labor, I was experiencing and feeling anxiety. My mind, my anxious thoughts were creating a feeling of anxiety. Then when I was present, that was no longer there. It doesn't need to define me. It wasn't my whole experience. It was a momentary experience. So that was that. And I suppose then just sort of reiterating, as soon as the pressure came off, so as I was saying before, I felt worse physically in the run-up to labour because my mind was sending me stir crazy. My mind was anticipating what might happen, how it might go, visualising, and then I had the stereophonic version of sound from the lady in the room a few doors down. It was like my senses were so heightened, and this is what happens when our senses get really heightened we it's like we're playing a movie in our head and it feels really real and yet my experience was different to that lady's because it was my experience and hers was hers and we don't need to you know over relate to other people they they can't define our experience either so then the other thing that I wanted to share before I I wrap this up for you is I've went back to work after two weeks. That was always the plan and the intention. My husband is off work, that's a whole other story. He's taking shared paternity leave and he's doing the majority of the paternity. So he's now off for seven and a half months, which is, we are so lucky and so fortunate. And that means that I'm back to work. I love my job, it doesn't feel pressured. I, it's on my own terms, I work for myself. So we're really grateful and really fortunate. However, people have made lots of comments about God, that's really quick. How are you going to cope? You're superwoman, all of this. I'm really not superwoman because I actually, well, well, I am, but just as equally as everybody else, we're all superwomen and men. And, you know, it's been done on my own terms. And what I've realised is the reason it's not overwhelming me being back at work is because I'm not putting the pressure on myself. I've lowered my expectations, as in I am not going to work full time. I'm just not, I decided that's not what I want to do. And so that's what not what I'm going to do. 
But one thing I did realize very quickly is even in the first week, it was extremely tempting for me when people then started to message an email for me to try and squeeze people in. So what I was effectively doing is not sticking to the boundaries that I put in place for myself. And I was agreeing to see people on days that I'd said to myself I wasn't going to work and stuff like that. But I realized very quickly it started to not feel right and not feel comfortable. And so then I adjusted and made arrangements and kind of apologized and said, look, I can't, you know, I can only do these days and I can only do, um, you know, I'm not available for another two weeks or whatever. And I realized then very quickly that that again felt good again, it felt better. And, it's, and again, this is just the same in our everyday lives. If we put too much pressure and expectation on ourselves, that's what creates burnout, not physically working, not being available to do your job. That's not what creates burnout. What creates a burnout is the pressure and the expectation when we overwhelm ourselves and when we allow things to overstep our boundaries. And that was nobody else's fault. They weren't pushing my boundaries and overstepping. It was me that was inviting them in, going, yeah, sure, and I'll do that. And so that was, again, a very quick realisation that, actually, I'm, I'm not going to continue to feel good and feel present and grounded in all of this if I don't stick to what I promised myself and what feels in my gut right for myself. So, again, I wanted to give you this as a quick reminder, really, of following your gut, stick to what feels right for you. And if you feel the temptation to go outside of that, it probably won't be long before you start to feel off and feel like it doesn't sit well with you. And it's important to listen to that and then make adjustments and make changes. So yeah, so that that is it. That is where, you know, some of the insights that were just a real great reminder for me, you know, the anxiety that I felt in that room on that ward before I went down to give birth was just off the scale and yet it didn't need to last again as soon as I was present it fell away so the main reminders from this is don't let things stop you don't let thoughts stop you from going forward in life with things that feel right that you want also recognize that your suffering is coming from your thinking and the concern and the worry about what might happen in the future, the attempting to control the unknown, the uncertainty, the unpredictability. That's what the fear is. The fear isn't in the current moment. The fear is the what ifs. And then also about your boundaries and making sure that as soon as you start to feel off, just reflect on what it is that maybe has changed or maybe you have not stuck to and don't be afraid to take a step to not it's not really backwards but take a side step and pause and reevaluate what's best for you because you can't be available I wouldn't be best for my clients if I was overworking myself if my boundaries were skewed and I was doing things that I didn't want to do and I don't want to do that for them or for me so I hope that's a little bit of a reminder for you all. And I hope you found that useful. And if anyone is pregnant listening to this and anyone is about to uh, go and get, you know, have go into labor at some point, just remember you're gonna, you're gonna be all right. It's gonna, it's gonna work out. And it's about taking things slowly, one step at a time, and being as present as you can. And we are built and made to do this. So it's all good. Okay, take care, everyone. Bye for now.